this week on Trek Mary Kill, Aliens, Predators, Gremlins, next. Incoming priority one mission from Starfleet Command, sir. The USS Peregrine's in the distress call. I advise we send a landing party. Captain's log. We found infected castaways. Stay away. What the hell did this? Casualties so far, some of them were picked apart. Track, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Ryan. Welcome to Trek Mary Kill, a Star Trek podcast fighting for dominance ever since it burst forth from some random alien's chest. This week we're joined by Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Fullcast, the only college football podcast on the planet. And uh, he's here because of this tweet from November 17, 2022. My only professional goal in 2023 is to appear in as many podcasts as possible, especially ones where I am unqualified to be there. Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm definitely not qualified to be on this one, so I'm excited that I'm meeting my goals head on. <laughs> I reached out to you suspecting you might know you know, what Star Trek is and maybe yes. just from pop culture, absorb some parts of it, maybe even watched parts of one of them. But I was also pretty sure at the same time that, you know, jack shit about Strange New Worlds. <laughs> that that I did not know this show existed until <laughs> you told me this is what we're going to do i think i probably am selling myself slightly short in terms of like how much i know about star trek writ large but yes this the the existence of this show and the character and many of the characters on it wild surprise to me i did try to prime you a, a tiny bit did any of that help uh, yes, yes, okay. it did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I said it was a prequel and there's some legacy characters, Spock and Uhura. Yes. Okay, so wh- what is your knowledge or what had you absorbed about Star Trek before this? Um, so as a youth, I remember watching the occasional, not not in any like dedicated, this is what we watch all the time, but I remember watching... Star Trek The Next Generation, as it aired. Remember enjoying it. Probably, I don't think, I don't think that the, the shows that came after it, I watched that much of. Like, I am aware that, I'm aware that Deep Space Nine exists, and I have seen some episodes <laughs> of it. And I can tell you, like, broadly, I could say, like, oh, I know, like, who these, what these characters do. Like, what their, what their roles are, or whatever. <laughs> Um, I know who Captain Janeway is. I know that's a different series entirely. I have seen a smatter, a confusing smattering of the movies is what I will say. Like I have a very clear memory of being, I have an uncle who is sort of uh, as a kid was our designated, Hey, I'm going to take you to see movies that I want to see. And <laughs> you're just sort of it, taking you as sort of an excuse. Right. And I, I remember going to see, I don't remember the name of it. You will. The, the Star Trek movie with Malcolm McDowell in it. 
Star Trek Generations, yes. Okay, I thought it was Generations. I should have trusted my first instinct, but I remember going to see that. And I've seen, like, a handful of the others because they were on TV or something. I've seen some of the more recent ones from J.J. Abrams. So, like, you know, this is not... I'm not coming into this completely idiotic, but I, I certainly would be lying if I was like, oh, I have a deep and meaningful understanding of what we're doing here. Well, I th- I feel like 57 years existing in the pop culture, anyone who pays some attention to it, some of it yes. catches it. Like you, you knew who Kirk and Spock were probably with 100 percent. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. So, and same with Uhura. Yes. Yeah. Now, I have a just a question that's related, but unrelated. Well, it's okay. directly related, but it's in your okay. skill set. Star Trek and baseball cross paths multiple times, but. Star Trek and football have nothing to do with each other. Uh, talking about American football for our mm-hmm. international audience. Is there anything in your brain that makes a connection between the two or, or nothing? I guess you can make the argument that to the extent a big part of Star Trek, the, the politics of Star Trek are about territory okay. much more so than like some other sci-fi universes are that sort of football-y, like the idea of this is our territory, this is their territory, and that's me. But like, that's a big reach. That's a super, <laughs> super big reach. It's not, it, no, it's not, um, nothing about it feels especially football, no. The only, and I was surprised, I didn't plan on this, but Captain Pike does say we it'll be easier to quarterback from the bridge. The okay, game plan that's true. Have. That, I mean, yeah. that's literally probably the only time they've said the word quarterback in Star Trek yeah. history. Yeah. I know nothing about college football. So, I mean, we're, perfect. Oh, this is your chance to, uh, if you're starting to feel a little like I need to get back at him for too much Star Trek, it's a good way to segue, find a way to do that. Um, I mean, I guess the the only question I would have on that front is Starfleet is technically a service academy, I would argue. And in in you know in in our reality the service academies all have college football teams so my question is has starfleet ever had a college football team in canon and that's just an open question i suspect the answer is no but i would like to know more and i would like to know why not well let's just work backwards the okay the people writing star trek certainly have never played football <laughs> okay okay (laughs) so i would start there because i think we've got references to like boat racing and tennis and and uh water polo i I think (laughs) you know probably (laughs) lacrosse is in there i think Mm. and baseball obviously i think those are they're more comfortable with it but like football and basketball and star trek just not something that happens um but theoretically they they are able to prevent or cure cte And, you know, all the medical technology playing football could either be incredibly easy or not challenging. Um, There's a game called Parisi Squares that they kind of cryptically mentioned throughout the next generation and Voyager. And it kind of I think it involves mallets or like beating the shit out of people somehow and and territory again. So maybe football has evolved. That could be another possibility. Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, (laughs) that or I, 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 I will buy that. Like once one time they were like, Hey Worf, would you like to play football? And then after that, it was like, never again, never again. Oh, that reminds me. Okay. So there's a soccer Worf killed a guy, killed a kid playing soccer. 
he headbutted a kid. And it's like a, so he, from that lesson, the lesson he learned was never let loose, never cut loose. Sure. Always, sure. always hold back. Don't, never party. Yep. It, it was uh, on okay. the episode where they went to Risa with, uh, with his wife and, uh, and everyone's having a sexy time and wanting to have fun. And Worf's like basically in his uniform the whole time and has a stick yeah. up his ass the whole time. And that's when he tells yeah. that story. It's not a good episode, <laughs> but you just reminded me that Worf did did crack a kid's skull with his forehead. So Okay, good. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so this week we're talking about All Those Who Wander, premiered on uh, for Strange New Worlds. It's the penultimate episode of their first season. It premiered on Paramount Plus on June 30th, 2022. It was written by Davy Perez and directed by Christopher J. Byrne. And this is the briefest synopsis I care to give this episode. The Enterprise must come to the aid of the crashed USS Peregrine, only to discover that it has been overrun by Gorn. That's that's it. There's a lot of other elements to it, but that's basically what it is. They're responding to a stress call, and oh, yikes, aliens uh, <laughs> have affected them. This episode pretty shamelessly rips off aliens they, they said alien which is weird the writer said yes uh we definitely were influenced by alien the thing predator and gremlins and, okay and i don't know i feel like that's even even if you're saying um that those were influences they also wholly rip off aliens Yes, I, I I would argue there are elements. This is and it's kind of impressive to do this in you know an hour television show. There are parts of all three of the first three Alien movies in this in this television episode. That's... Like I get that like the Alien influence is like oh we're we're showing up to what we think is a distress call and things immediately go wrong. But obviously. I think it feels much overall. It feels much more like aliens, the sequel than either alien or alien cubed to the point where on this re the episode opens with, um, with uh, like a ceremony, the cadets are rotating out. Um, so Ahura's leaving and, um, also Ensign Duke, um, mm-hmm. uh, is being promoted to Lieutenant Duke. And then that goes away when the enterprise gets a priority message from Starfleet and we go into the senior staff talking and they're eating breakfast, which is like, Oh, this is like when they wake up, when the crew wakes up an alien and they're all like commiserating and eating breakfast yep, and going yep. over their mission. I'm like, I can't much believe better looking, much better looking <laughs> breakfast though than the one alien. That is true. Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we don't have the knife between the fingers beat mm-hmm. though, or anything like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. but even to that point, just a slavish devotion, to to uh, aliens, right down to Newt. There's literally a Newt character. USS, yes, yes, there is. The USS Peregrine has picked up. They crashed because they picked up some refugees, and one of the refugees was infected with Gorn babies. And the guy that they had brought on board was like, "Ah, crap! Let's just blow up the whole ship <laughs> to get rid of this threat." And, uh, right. and it crashes them on the planet. And one of the people that the ship picked up was Newt. I don't know what else to say beyond. What did you think? <laughs> On the one hand, it is a shameless ripoff. And I think like it doesn't even, I appreciate that it's not trying that hard to pretend that it's not like even the way in which the Gorn e- e- eject themselves from a host is extremely alien. Um, that said, 
if you're going to rip something off, Alien and Aliens is a good thing to rip off. Like it has it has tension, it has sort of like very clear stakes. Like it's still fun to watch. It didn't feel especially Star Trek in some respects because I think like the tone and the tenor of Alien the Alien franchise is very different from Star Trek as a multi-pronged franchise at this point. But I think like it does a reasonably good job of accomplishing what it needs to. It's is it the best episode of anything I've ever watched, Star Trek or otherwise? No, but I wasn't I wasn't like sad that I watched it. I wasn't bored. <laughs> That's not necessarily the highest praise, but I thought it like did what it wanted to do reasonably competently. What did you think of cuz because you're coming into this late you're just being dropped yeah. right into the middle of the yeah, yeah, yeah. what did yeah. you think of their dealing with uhura's you know this is like a prequel to uhura but basically her storyline is she just doesn't have that dog in her yet she just doesn't right. want it that much so what did you how did you feel about that it's tricky because there are long stretches of this episode where she is not present or doesn't feel that central you know what i mean like she's kind of more of an observer in, in big parts of it. And I think it kind of makes it tricky that she ends up being in some ways, at least from a character development standpoint, the centerpiece. I think, I, I think if I had seen the previous episodes, maybe I would appreciate a little more what they're doing in that respect. And I, I do think it by the end when they're sort of doing the, they're like, funeral rites of sorts or everybody saying some words for uh, their dead comrade it kind of works but i wasn't totally i didn't totally get sold on it before we get into the grades just a couple of other things i wanted to mention yeah. on this rewatch for me because when i when these come i watch them as soon as they're released that's how right. obsessed with star trek i am and it's yep. surprising because it, it hurts my feelings sometimes and i still go back for it <laughs> But there are sometimes subtle things that I miss on the first watch. So that's why this podcast I'm doing is great. It helps me see things I missed. Yeah. Either they cut around this or I don't know. They cut. It seemed like when Ensign Duke was getting his promotion, that Mm -hmm. the way it was sort of being shot or treated was sort of like maybe the original draft or or shooting schedule of this involved them. It was like a prank they were playing on him. Like they're about to tell him he's in trouble or embarrass him. Yeah. And then popped yeah. out revealed like, oh no, you're promoted. Right. <laughs> right. It was it was sort of a weird uh energy for what was going on. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't really know what to make. That was one where I was like, maybe I maybe this is like a recurring bit that they do, that they're always messing with this dude, but this is the one time they're not. <laughs> so that okay, great. Sub question. Uh, how many episodes do you think Ensign Duke had been in this season? Um, this is what, episode nine, we said? Yes, of ten. Let's say three other episodes. He had been in no other episodes. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Good. Good. That explains something that happens later, so that makes sense. Okay, good. Uh, Captain Kirk's brother, though, had been on since the beginning, dropping so, in randomly. was definitely not was like I don't I don't remember. I think they do say his first name, but it's not until relatively midway through the episode. Mm-hmm. And so for a while I was like, is that does he 
what? And <laughs> and then I sort of like started to put it together that I was like, okay, this is not that character. But that was an interesting surprise. <laughs> I think I forgot both when I was doing it, because I hadn't rewatched it yet. I think I forgot that he was in this one. And mm-hmm. to just remind you, oh, yeah, they put Spock's bro- or Kirk's brother in here for some reason. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, you know, it, canonically, Captain Kirk does have a brother, so that's correct. Um, okay. That's fine. But there's this is just the show wanting to do its own thing, and I don't know why. Right. But we, we'll never know why. But okay. uh, And then the other bit, Okay, the Gorn are obviously portrayed in a way familiar way. Alien, predator, uh-huh. gremlin, blah blah blah. Their their skill set though was extremely television writery though. They are born immediately being fully functional with all their balance and speed, yep. Yep. their intelligence, their yep. chameleon abilities. Yep. Um, psychic blocking yes <laughs> uh, abilities of some sort and it takes like maybe an hour or two before they're able to start reproducing asexual or like just spit their venom and infect someone correct, correct. Um, <laughs> yes they can they can spit at you and you have their eggs in your blood and so we're also then supposed to believe that they are capable of building spaceships that are extremely well, powerful we're told we're told repeatedly that they are very smart like like it's emphasized that these are extremely smart and and we have not accord in this episode at least we have not seen a full-grown gorn right we have not like they make clear if that were to happen this episode would end very differently. Like we're basically seeing preteen Gorns. Yes. Um, and previously the enterprise had only basically fought them in battle in space. So even then right. you're not fighting one. On right, one. right, yeah. right, right. But we're also told, like we're told they're very smart, but also they, um, they can't resist violence or uh, like they, if, if there's a fight going on, if there's like, action happening they like are compelled to chase it it's it kind of clashed like i didn't really get the distinction between like oh these are very smart very tactical creatures but also if you just scream at them they'll chase you <laughs> they are easy to lure because they're so intensely focused on killing for yeah, dominance yeah and they're so smart that they're they have decided that the risk is worth the rewards <laughs> they're basically like it's like these are the most dangerous bros in space. <laughs> Is there a college football coach who the Gordon reminded you of? Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! Um, uh, I'll help you. I don't know who everyone says is incredibly smart, but will go to, go for it to their detriment. Hmm. This is interesting. I'm trying to think of one. Uh, okay, so I I think. Uh, I think there are not necessarily head coaches that this remind me of, but there are certainly defensive coordinators. This remind me of this reminds me of who are like, yeah, super smart guy, but like most likely to like headbutt a player because he's excited. Not not as a like I'm um, and and when I say headbutt a player, I mean a player with a helmet on. Yes, <laughs> like that kind of energy where you're sort of just like, oh man, you are just far too intense here for like a 57 year old man or something. Yeah. There are a number of coaches who sort of fit this archetype. Uh, but unlike the Gorn, they are fully grown adults and not, you know, 
whatever whatever life stage the corner at in this episode i think then that all tracks because then you could boil it down to they're incredibly intelligent but they can get caught up in the moment that's true i think that all kind of tracks to be honest okay that's Uh, fair especially if they're like uh immature right i think it even makes more sense right but their their skill set being well we need it to you know futz with all of our star trek technology to create false tension was grating on me the entire episode we got. Well, it's 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 the combination <laughs> of it's that, and also we're on a planet that yes. because of the ionic atmosphere, like we cannot. There's no radio communication. We just can't possibly do it. Like there are a, a lot of la- a lot of uh, very visible layers here where it's sort of like, oh, this what seems like an easy solution. Here's how we'll eliminate that. Right. All right, let's get to the grades. Great scenes. <laughs> I don't know that I don't know. So I don't know that I have any here. And, and here is why. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll amend that slightly. I do think the first scene uh, where we see the Gorn coming out of, um, what was it? Buckley, the blue alien. Right. I don't, I don't, they, I, they, even in the show, they're like, we don't know what he was. Yes. Like they don't bother to sort of say like what species this alien was. I think that scene where he's sort of like labored breathing, the newt character clearly knows what's going on and like goes and hides and gets real quiet. Um, that had a good amount of like the tension you want from an alien scene. Like if, if you're going to ape, that franchise that's a good example of what you're going for like where it's that it's it's that alfred hitchcock rule where like we all know that there's a bomb under the table but the character doesn't Mm -hmm. i thought that was really effective conversely and this is kind of true of the alien franchise as well i think all of the scenes with the crew fighting the gorn are not that interesting because they're just hard scenes to shoot like because it's still essentially a human fighting an animal and a human fighting an animal is not that watchable in some ways because either the animal just way outclasses the human or the humans just shooting at an animal and there's not like you don't get a lot out of it but i will say that the first gorn uh spawning scene i thought that worked pretty well i enjoyed that uh, I agree. And I was kind of the same as you as like, ah, there's no great scenes in this episode, but um, that's a good one to highlight. And it's the same idea. It's part of a scene because yeah. all the tension that you mentioned, all the stuff that has to kind of be ignored to get to that point. Like why yes. does nurse chapel leave? Why does the other nurse just, why is she under the bed? Fussing right. with tech? Unclear. 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 You know, it seems, yeah. it seems like a thing you could have done is, uh, and then, you know, Nurse Chapel finds the goo like much later. And it just seems like Laon would have been the one saying like one of these people could be infected. Keep, you know, keep your gun on them. You know, Laon is the Quar- Gorn expert. Yes, quarantine, quarantine yes. them in something like treat them. But yes. you need to treat them in like a secured room. Yes. And 100%. you've got the emotional yeah. core of the little girl. So you could either put her in the quarantine yeah. with the with Buckley. And it's like, oh, she's trapped in there. Or she's intervening and saying, leave him alone. You know, I love Buckley. Right. And then but no, they don't do that. So anyway, but you're yeah. right. That's the other scene. The part of the scene that I think rose to a great scene was after Laon says to Captain Pike, 
you know, one Gorn is enough to to screw with mm-hmm. uh, to screw with us. It'll mess everything up. He leaves, and Doctor yeah. Mabenga approaches her. So this is the part of, scene, of the scene I'm highlighting, and he says. A soprano sings in E minor and we associate a feeling, but it's not really about the melody. Our own reflections make it emotional. It's some convoluted dialogue to basically get into. He's trying to let her know that her feelings about the Gorn and her history with the Gorn doesn't have to Im- impede her, but also can help her uh, relate to Oriana and to Newt right. and help her. And it was just a nice moment. You hadn't seen the previous episodes, but, you know, Lon's been dealing with this Gorn thing sort of in one way, which you see at the end when she takes a golf. It seems I, for some reason, I keep seeing in my mind, it's like a golf club to smashing. Yeah, <laughs> to smashing yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. But it, but it, it was just a nice moment between them and the idea of you can use your pain to heal someone else's was, I think, a nice idea. Can I ask uh, a clarifying question yes. about... Dr. Mabenga. I would so, love it. <laughs> right before that, and he acknowledges, in the scene you're talking about, he acknowledges this. He says, he calls Newt his daughter. <laughs> yes. And he corrects himself and says, my patient. What was that about? Do you want me to give you the whole story? <laughs> or just say that his daughter had just died in like two episodes prior? Was it was there like any similarity between these two characters or the situation they were in? Or is it just he's grieving a child, the loss of a it's child? It's just he's grieving a child. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to like read anything into that his, beyond. beyond. His, okay. His daughter had had an incurable illness. Okay. And his solution was to store her in the Enterprise's emergency sickbay transporter pattern buffer. And oh. he would bring her out every so often to read her the same goddamn story uh-huh. for like five minutes and then yeah. put her back in the buffer. And they go to this nebula and this nebula has an intelligence and it scans the Enterprise and it finds her in the buffer. And it basically makes her wishes come to life. And the end of the episode <laughs> is the nebula saying, if your daughter can just come live with me as energy, she'll be fine forever. Huh. And so he goes, okay. he goes, okay, I've got to let you go. Wow. Wow. All right. All right. And if you were wondering if he made the wrong decision, literally the moment she dissolves, uh, as she's being taken away by the nebula, she's covered yeah. in sparkles and she goes, he, he, it tickles. And then she disappears. <laughs> yeah. And he's sad for a moment for literally yeah. a moment. And she rematerializes as a, as a grown woman. And she says, you made the right decision, dad. You're great. And then she <laughs> twinkles away. <laughs> you know, it'd be a real shame if you had to let the character sort of sit with that no, and, yeah. and process it in normal human ways. But instead, instead, if you can give them a video game ending, that's important. <laughs> you chose the good path. <laughs> Um, all right. So best Trek tropes. Uh, I'm interested to hear if you have one because yeah, I wonder what you think of as Trek tropes, if any of the um, registered. So I think the one, the Trek trope that most people know is the red shirt, right? Yes. Like, and I don't think we, I, I guess now um, this, this new Lieutenant, I don't think that technically qualifies because if I remember correctly, red shirts don't have names. That's an important part. 
and he definitely did. Um, but I, I, so, so I guess that's not here beyond that. Um, you know, I think it felt like maybe the track trope was, um, was the, the atmospheric interference thing that felt sort of start like sort of like sometimes star Trek sort of says like, Oh, well we have all this cool tech, but we need to sort of like present plausible obstacles that make it so we can't use it. We have to sort of handcuff ourselves. Yeah. I think it's a red shirt situation though. So you've named two okay. oh, because okay. I think all they're trying to do is subvert the trope to make it seem yeah. like they're smarter than the show. So it's like, oh, look, okay. look, we named him. We named, you know, and, these people are in had red an, shirts. He had an emotional moment. Yes, so exactly. he's probably, yeah. Okay. Interesting. But it's just a red shirt in a, by any other name. So. Okay. Uh, good. good. All right. I'm glad I wasn't like <laughs> no. way off on that. No, you yeah. totally nailed it. And uh, okay. yes, I have the interference in worst Trek show, but I guess I should name uh, okay. only because of what we said before. It's like a hat on a hat. It's like, this and this and this and this. Yes, but it, yes. But I agree point, that it, it's worst. Yeah. Usually, at the, it's at the top of the episode, as you said. Like one thing, it's like we're going to this planet. Our sensors and comms aren't going to work. But then we get down there, and it's like, but then our scanners, we can't even talk to each other, and the Gorn is able to evade them, and it just right. gets it gets wacky from there. Um, I also think I also think it's um, this feels Trek tropey to me, and I don't know if it's best or worst, and I'll leave it up to you. The conceit by which, like, the captain goes on this, Captain Pike goes on this mission is basically like, well, it's the last day of school and I want the young kids to have a good memory. When in reality, everything they have been told is that this is like a pretty standard, this is such a standard mission that they have told that they are breaking the crew apart to go do this. They're like, we'll go do this little rescue mission. I think he says to Rebecca Romaine, like, you just take the kid, pile the kids in the station wagon and then come back and get us. But like, there is no, there is no real exigent reason why the captain should be a part of this at all. I agree. I think there was, they could have pulled a punch perhaps because in the very first episode of the season, we see that he's dating uh, another captain like, uh, mm. you know, and this could have been a natural point to bring that back in, but maybe they didn't want to do that. Um, but you're right. If there was some, if there was a reason, a stated reason why he wanted to do this, but here's the thing you don't know is that captain Pike has already seen his future. So he knows oh. when the shit's going to hit the, hit the fan for him. And so for me, it, it kind of explains why he as the captain would go on any, landing party because he knows he knows today. this isn't <laughs> this isn't the one okay yeah, yeah. cool but that's not that's not clear i wouldn't expect like they weren't laying that in there that wasn't part of right. it but they, they right. just didn't do anything they didn't give any reason why so right. you're right it right. definitely stands out the captain being on the mission i think that's definitely i think it's a good trek trope so i'm gonna put it there too okay the worst trek trope can sometimes be a best Trek trope, but I think in this case it was unnecessary. And that is the enterprise being the only ship in range. Mm-hmm. So they were already mm-hmm. on a priority mission to station K seven, which is the station the enterprise visits in trouble with tribbles. So that's a callback. It's irrelevant what they're doing, but they're just, yeah. you know, it has no relation to the episode, but they're delivering power cells, which are important. And then they get diverted to go to this planet. Um, I kind of don't think you needed that. I, it was like a weird way to just separate, the enter- you know what I mean? Like to not have the enterprises help there. 
in in Star Trek's past, they would have just dealt with it by. I don't know if you caught this, but like uh, Laon says, oh, these are hatchlings, so they must have been separated. It, it seems to me then if the Gorn are so smart, they would know some of our hatchlings got away and they would come right. looking for them. So it seems right. like the most obvious thing was the Enterprise can't help them because they're dealing with like a Gorn ship in orbit. Sure. That seems it also was like kind of duplicative of the, oh, we can't communicate once we're down there. It's like, if that's true, couldn't why do you need the Enterprise to not be there? Like, obviously, after some period of time, maybe they're going to say, gosh, it's been a while. We're going to send more people down there or whatever. But like, you don't. it's like a second layer of isolation that doesn't really need to be there. You're totally right. And the 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 Gorn being such a threat. So let's say it's like, OK, we're going to have a calm blackout. And then he and Rebecca remain agree like, OK, if you don't hear from us in six hours, send the cavalry. And, right, it's, and right. it's like, well, they won't have six hours anyway because of the Gorn. The Gorn's going to yes. mature and get them before then. So, yeah, yeah. These are the choices. I think these are just the choices you make when you're doing a 10 to 4 schedule over Zoom. And you just, sure. you want to get it, you know, you got a lot of work to do. And yep, that's, yep, writing yep. TV's hard. Yep. So I have that, but I also had I, the genetic chameleon part was the step too far for me. That was where I was like, yes, no, stop. yes, <laughs> yes. It's sort of, it sort of is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> All right, so this yeah. this will be a trickier grade. Uh, the most of its time quality. Hmm. Um. I don't know what the answer to this one is. I gotta say, like, I I it there there was. I, I will say, I thought this was mostly impressive from a production standpoint. Like, I think the creature effects uh, are pretty good. Um. I think the set design is, is all pretty good. Like you get a good sense of the space and like the, the confines that you're working with. So I, I don't have a good answer. What would you put here? Well, I wanted to mention what you said, because I like that our guests are coming in with positives for most of its time. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I think that's mm-hmm. great. That's what the grades here for. So yeah, they're just redressing the enterprise sets. Right. And that's what, yeah. that's an old star Trek hat. That's what you do. Yeah. Like, I, what I, what was annoying to me is like they they went out of their way in the breakfast briefing to say like it's got the same parts as our ship to like right. uh, don't be insecure right. about it just own it right. it's a Starfleet right. ship right. they all look the same right right uh, they're all supposed to look the same yeah. we get it yeah and yeah. I totally yeah, yeah. agree the Buckley alien looked amazing was yeah. incredible I'm not even sure how much of that was CGI how much of it was makeup such a yeah. convincing job either way it could have been full makeup I don't know. Great effects. The Gorn, the Gorn being full CGI, I think it pretty much worked, especially for TV. It looked, it looked good. It, what was fascinating to me about it was realizing that they spent all the money on redressing the sets and and um, and doing the alien designs that they couldn't. They had no more money left to just cast someone to be the captain on the uh-huh. screen. Remember they're, they're listening to the captain's log and they can only get yes. an audio. Cause it's, that's right. Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, the yeah. day rate for a voiceover is like $500. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. If- we got, we got, we got a, a crew member here yeah. who says they'll do it. They're excited. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I had, it's kind of a doc- La- Oh, excuse me. Laon called Dr. Sanchez, the ship's, ship's counselor. We don't see. She calls mm-hmm. him a head shrinker. Yep, Which I don't yep. even know if that's of 
2023 2022 it's just uh you know it's kind of like something that you would say in the 60s right or 70s maybe the 80s i think you could get away with it in the 80s if you were an asshole yeah like yeah yeah, i think yeah it is it it definitely feels like an anomaly that's Um, true and then i kind of feel like the entire ohura storyline which you're only coming in at the end at but it it was the seeded already it started off with i'm such a genius but i'm just so so bored or confused i'm yeah. lost it just yeah. it, it just seems um i don't know it seemed a little like it doesn't quite fit with the rest of, of uh star trek essentially and it doesn't really sure. jive with the sula or sula the ohura we know later in the series who is a right. confident right. Uh, uh charismatic artistic uh interesting person in her own mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now we go to the line must be drawn here Great lines. Um, I did like the one that you brought up uh, from Dr. Mabenga that I thought was, it was a good little like brief poetic moment Mm -hmm. in a weird setting to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there was also, uh, um, gosh, I can't remember. I don't remember the line, which sort of defeats what we're trying to do here. And I apologize (laughs) for that. Um, But there is a point where after, Hell has started to break loose. Um, Laan talks to Newt and is sort of like, look, there is a difference between surviving and living. And that obviously these two scenes are connected together. And I was like, okay, I kind of appreciate that. Like, this is somebody who is saying I I could at least appreciate even having not seen the other episodes that like. This is something she's saying to herself as much as she's saying it to this child. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I thought that that was like a good moment where you're sort of like, yeah, th- there is a different there. There is a distinction between just like getting through and getting by and actually choosing to like embrace your life as a thing that you can uh, you can play a meaningful role in. Yeah, I, I think those little touches that they added in there is what anchors this. It makes it feel Star Trek enough besides all the yeah. technical interference. You even have the scene with Hammer and Ohura in engineering mm-hmm. um, yep. where he's convincing her like, you know, having something and losing it is still greater than like, not even having anything. It's right, nice, um, right. That scene just again, I'm I'm paying attention. So maybe that's why they're not making it for people paying attention. But that scene, <laughs> the scene for Hemmer and Uhura comes right after she just convinces Buckley to lower the weapon. And so yeah. she's in sickbay with someone yeah. that they don't know how to communicate with. And she's the yeah. chief communications person there. And right. then the next right. time we see her, which is almost a moment later, she's in engineering helping Hemmer. I was just like, what? What? Why is she here now? What? The distribution <laughs> of labor is kind of kind of off. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's just like all those nice moments you mentioned. It's it's like uh, it's that Thirty Rock joke. Here's Tracy Jordan saying three three serious things and then a joke. <laughs> it's kind of how it works. Um, yeah, right. Uh, the one line I had that was great was um, Spock's line after he mistakenly calls Lieutenant Duke Ensign Duke, and yeah. Nurse Chapel says he has to buy him a drink. It's a Starfleet tradition now because he misranked him. Uh, Spock says another human drinking game. Does their number have no limit? And I. 
made me laugh. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. It, to me, it was the exact right moment for a joke, unlike when they're all having breakfast, getting the reports, because right. there's a part of me saying like, man, if I was in distress, I would not want these people coming to my rescue. No, no, they're just sort of like talking about how good the quiche is or whatever. And it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Spock's washing dishes, you know, just, okay. <laughs> so the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. Uh, Anton Caridian was, is the most famous actor in universe that, that we've seen in an episode of Star Trek. This is in the original series. That's that's why it's called that. So Yeah. I know you don't okay. care. <laughs> no, it's, it, I actually, did, I was like, I don't know who this is. So that's actually quite helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a great performance that you would like to highlight? I thought it's not consistent throughout the episode, but I do think like the back, let's say third of the episode, I don't know who plays Hemmer, but I did think sort of the arc that Hemmer ends up taking. I was like, oh, this is well, this is like well done. And especially having to do that in effects, in makeup, like it's it's harder to do it's it's physically harder to do that job and i thought like there was convincing connection between hammer and the other characters the decision hammer makes to sacrifice rather than sort of like try to go for a last ditch effort and survive um i i i thought that was i i enjoyed that although i won't say like oh this was like an all-star role throughout the entire episode. Mostly I don't think that there was room for a performance like that because like, you know, you're talking about these parasitic alien bugs that you're chasing the whole time. It just doesn't have like a lot of space for uh, big performances that I thought at least. I love that you spotlighted Hammer. This is Hammer's last episode. He he dies at the end. Spoiler alert! But if you're listening this far, hey, um, yeah, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the actor's name is Bruce Horak. He's legally blind. Okay. His character is also blind. I don't know if you, okay. if that was evident. His performance throughout the season, he's definitely been one of the more interesting characters and performers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I totally agree. I was definitely vibing with that and i i think we'll give it to him this time especially since it's his last one they like him so much they're definitely going to bring the actor back he'll probably play you know play a different role so uh cool that's a good one i also was going to honorable mention to buckley to the alien yes i totally agree with that yeah i think uh, considering there are no lines that we get any translation for um, and it's also under a ton of prosthetic work. Yeah, like very, very, very good performance as well. So that leads us to the Shatner, which is not necessarily like bad acting, but, you know, sometimes you only have one or two takes. You just have to kind of go with it and and, and that's it. Got to be happy with it. So it could be bad acting if you want to say that was bad or if you just want to say like that person really went for it. It's up to you. I think I will give this one to... Kirk's brother yes in the scene where it's like and I I know this is a thing that we have to do with Spock specifically but like really hammering the home like don't you have any feelings don't you have any emotion it was just like it was like yeah we understand what this scene is for like you don't have to say it as directly as you're saying it right now and in such an obviously emotional way to create like 
the the juxtaposition of the two i that was one that stood out as like okay man we're all having a bad day this is a little <laughs> bit much um yes and unfortunately another homage that this episode is playing i'm using homage very generously i feel uh-huh. that this is ripping off exactly this that same moment in star trek 2009 with chris pine and he's literally yes. doing chris pine when he's trying yes. to get spock to hit him right and he doesn't quite say the same thing but as you said the sentiment's the same um yeah. i think it's even shot similarly it's just like <laughs> it's, I, I don't know i get it there's enough star trek out there that you really could just AI generate an episode of the show and they really seem to do that in this case. But yeah, I definitely it, by the way, it's his biggest moment of the season. Interesting. And so that's what it winds up being. So what a curious character choice. I, I, yeah. Okay. A lot of questions. Yeah. That's why for me, it's always helped where it's just imagining that, okay, William Shatner hasn't died yet. And that's why Uh they don't feel comfortable just full on saying, we're rebooting Star Trek because right. we because they want to just do Captain Kirk on TV. But how do you? Right, right, right. Uh, right. So they're kind of just getting around it in these ways. Well, it's a prequel. Okay. And also in the next episode, episode 10, they actually introduced their version of Captain Kirk. So okay. it's like a soft, it's like a soft a reboot. Soft launch, yeah. A soft yeah, launch, a soft opening <laughs> of the restaurant. Yeah. Okay, good. Which part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? So, like, what idea, what concept, what tech thing, you know, might they teach at Starfleet Academy? So, I think the scenario is, like, what do you do? Like, the exact second you get the... There are two, I'll say. The exact second you uh, actually get the logs to work, the audio logs, and you know what's up, where it's made clear to you, like, you shouldn't be here in the first place. You are in danger what do you do at this point? Like, I think that is a, they don't really address this that much in the, uh, in the episode, but like part of, part of the, the moral question here is like, are you potentially risking bringing this off planet? Like they don't really deal with it that they sort of like decide not to deal with it because they just end up or like, well, we'll just kill them and it won't be a problem. But I think that sort of decision-making is number one. And number two is you encounter these the two survivors, Buckley and Newt. I know Newt's not her name, but now Newt is just what I'm going to call her. Sorry. Um, what do you do at that point? I, I think that is, you know, we've already sort of touched upon it of like, okay, you ran medical scans, but those proved to be insufficient. Are there other things you should have done? Should you have even you know uh, dealt with them in the first place i think those are the two like if it's like hey we're simulating a scenario those are the two that stood out to me also just we watch nurse chapel run away from the gremlins as they come out out of the dead body and she puts up a force field in the doctor's office and i and it just goes why did you wait until then to surround yes, anything with yes. the force field. It's right. Just, right. Uh, again, they were hoping you weren't paying attention. Like you're folding laundry while you're watching. Yeah, this. So right. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I, I like that, but I just drafting off of your first point about the, the, the message. If your ship's going down, you got to launch a message buoy. You got to, mm, you got to mm-hmm. send out a yeah. beacon that, that says stay away that yeah. you can't, you can't 
I mean, the protocol should be launch a log buoy, which we've seen in the original mm-hmm. series. It's something like that. That's that intentionally puts out a transponder and says, these are the circumstances or here's our last log entries, blah, 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 blah. By the way, right, they right. still could have done the episode with that intact. I'm not saying that they made the wrong choice, but they still could have done that. And the choice could have been because, again, Pike knows he's not going to die. He's like, well, I got to go down there and see if there are survivors. Who, and see if there are yeah, survivors. This is a yeah. volunteer mission. Yeah. Who wants to come? And Lieutenant Duke right. is like, well, I'm a lieutenant now. We're supposed to take more I, responsibility. I do this. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I like that a lot. Uh, but I, the log buoy was sort of my main thing. Because I really <laughs> feel like the Peregrine's captain was like, that's a dereliction of duty. She's like, we didn't know what we didn't know, but we didn't do anything to try to warn anybody. And then, right, right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And her message um, is essentially sucks to be you. <laughs> sorry. Yep. Sorry you're here. If you're if you're reading this, I apologize. <laughs> also, all the shit the Gorn can do. They're definitely teaching that at Starfleet Academy. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I feel like this is going to be an impossible question for you to answer. So the next one, grade, how would the predecessor show or captain resolve the conflict? So do you, you can pass or maybe if you just be like, well, Captain Picard would do this. I don't know. However you want to approach it. I'm giving you the option. Well, I guess, I guess what, I guess I'm, I'm struggling here. Not necessarily because I think like, oh, there are specific choices. Pike, like I'm assuming we're talking about they're in the ship. They realize the Gorner thing, like that point forward. I agree that like maybe some different decisions would have been made before then. But if we're talking about the meat of the episode, you're the aliens part of the episode you're confronted with this hostile species and you have to get off the ship and you can't get infected on the way out. The options seem extremely limited. Like I, I guess, I guess, especially because they, they emphasize like, Oh, there's an ice storm out. That's the other part of this episode that I really liked that they were like, Oh, also we can't leave the ship because it's just too cold outside. (laughs) And um, like, we have to stay here, even though we have, you know, a, a literally another ship over here where we could just be like, Hey, let's back off and like reevaluate what the hell we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it felt like the circumstances constrained them in every possible way where once you are, are in this trapped environment, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess I will defer because I'm, I'm curious, like, what would, what would Benjamin Sisko do in this, in this case? There's already kind of an episode like this. It's called right? the, it's called the adversary. It's where a changeling comes on board and mm-hmm. hijacks the defiant and programs it to go basically destroy a planet. And so they have to hunt down a shapeshifter. So it's, you know, Cisco takes command. This is the part of Pike that drives me nuts. The dude doesn't make a decision. He doesn't have right. any ideas of his own. He, you know, he, he's got a phalanx of uh, minds to pick from. And then whoever can argue their point the best, he's like, yes, that's the one. So I yeah. don't know, it gets a little frustrating. So how would Cisco deal with it? I mean, he would have, he would have hunted the Gorn. It, it, it would have gone right back to what you said. It would have been, what is that movie called with Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer? The, with the um, hunting the um, lion, the, the the lion hunting movie. Yes, yeah. the lion hunting um, movie. I think I know what you're talking Cisco, about. I don't remember. I think it, Cisco though. would have treated it like an animal, and he would have just been like, "It's okay. time to hunt some Gorn," and yeah. and he would have given people clear assignments. He would have said, "Find a way to get the shuttles that we landed, yeah, to come and get us." Which, by the way, that's still riffing on aliens, right? <laughs> so yeah, sure, hundred percent. Yeah, but my yeah. idea, my thought was, uh, if this had been Star Trek Discovery, which is the predecessor show, 
Um, I kind of think that this would have all taken place on the discovery. It wouldn't have been, uh-huh. you wouldn't have had the middleman of the ship oh, crashing. Okay. And so they yeah. would have picked up the refugees because discovery has like a different way of traveling. So I can get places faster. Right. And um, I think it would have not necessarily, I think it would have been interesting to see a series of Gorn just, you know, wrecking shit on a fully complimented crew and seeing how they deal with that. And it would have involved them spacing that the Gorn. They, they would have just done that at the end. It would have. Yeah. It also, I, I think also that scenario, I think that's probably a more interesting episode because then you add the element where then you can add, like, if you're going to do this ridiculous um, genetic chameleon thing, you are essentially adding that element of like, you don't know who has this in them. Yes. Like that's where the thing comes in. Like, I, I guess is where they're saying that that's the element is sort of like, but they don't even lean on that too much. No, and I would episode. have liked. So it, I would have liked that. I think if it had been a yeah, bit more yeah, like that. that creates interesting tension, and that's how you can kind of like. You, there's that scene where Pike sort of says, "Oh, what we have to our advantage is that we'll work together." And the Gorn, for some reason, like just want to fight until there's one left. But if you do the sort of uh, who knows who's you know got infected or not, you can kind of mess with that narrative a little bit. Totally. It, the emotional stuff still kind of works because mm-hmm. Michael Burnham has the same, has a similar tragic backstory. Her parents were killed in an attack. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like she can relate to the new character a little bit. Like there's things at work that make it parallel. And it would have been an interesting mm-hmm. challenge because the discovery crew is much more overtly a, a ship of nerds who, who like can't mm. use weapons and stuff. So seeing some yeah, of, yeah, some yeah. of the mathy nerdy people having to be like, well, I've got to shoot and kill something. That I don't right. that that maybe is intelligent, and I'm I'm trained to study these things and try to make connection. Right. But this thing is right. only going to kill me. It would have been it right. been interesting parallel. Um, interesting, but they I think they've made it unambiguous here. The only way to deal with the Gorn is killing it. There's no negotiating with it. That kind of thing. So it would have correct wound yes. up being the same thing. So then yeah. that. Thank you for coming along on this journey. We've now reached the end of it. Trek, marry or kill all those who wonder. I think I'm going to give it Mary, but not long-term. Is that a fair way to to end up like short marriage? Like I said, I I did think it was as a self-contained thing with some, as somebody coming in with no real understanding of what the series is doing. Like it works. It's interesting enough to watch and it's got some good tense moments. It leads to a very satisfying conclusion. Like, I think on all of those merits, it works. Is it like a standout episode? No. Do I feel like it did a lot for this season, not knowing what else is going on? Uh, I feel like probably not. I feel like if I, I, I feel like if you told me, oh, this is the best episode of the season, I would say, oh, so this season was quite bad. <laughs> and yet still you think uh, marriage is, is, is where this one deserves that. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not willing to kill it because here's why. You could trek it. I, you could just trek it. Say people should trek it out or that, that's the equivalent of kiss, right? We're yeah. Not- okay. I see. I see. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's, you're right. I've, I've messed this up. It should be. No, a trek. It is, it is, a, it is trekking it. Yeah. You know what? I didn't mention this in the most of its time quality, but kind of everything you said reminded me of this. I think riffing mm-hmm. on the last 40 years of, 
pop culture science fiction is of its time. All the things you That's mentioned, true. like from the eighties on, they're just, I mean, yeah, yes, alien yeah. is technically in the seventies, but this is much more strongly alien. So yes. Um, yeah. 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 I Trek it is then for uh, all those okay. who wonder, I mean, also you did bring up, you know, is it the season's best? It does set Laon's arc in a different direction. It gives her, cause up to this point, essentially, she's been like the Gorn. Oh, it's that scream. Uh-huh. We've been getting some version of that end where she screams and 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 breaks the frozen Gorn every time she gets a super frowny face. And this time she wasn't. And she also had something to do with it. And then the Hemmer thing, I think also it's like, oh, well, if you like Hemmer, this is a good episode to watch. This is one where I felt like it, it just had a little like, I think if you take the spock nurse chapel element out of it like that's the thing that feels like we're trying to do too many things at once here and i think if it had just been about like if you had made the two emotional centers of this episode laan and uhura i i think it would have worked better because then you're talking about two characters who are both reckoning with their pasts in very different ways both trying to figure out their futures in very different ways and ultimately i think if you're going to do the alien the thing any of these like isolated with creature movies or or, or, uh, homages to those movies you need you you need to keep the cast very small like there can't be too many people that we're keeping track of or caring about and it felt a little heavy on that end you're you're parachuting in and you're man you're nailing it so that's great (laughs) i agree yes Uh, is there anything you want to plug or direct people to or or just want people to leave you be? <laughs> um, no. Uh, thank you for having me on. You've, we've already mentioned the Shutdown Fullcast. You'll probably hear about this much college football discussion on that show, which is ostensibly <laughs> about college football. So don't let that be a barrier to you. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, thrilled that I got to participate in this. And genuinely appreciate that we got one that you gave me one that was like oh this is just aliens because i could just be like oh i know that yeah it's easy i can i can grasp that that's <laughs> yeah. not complicated i really appreciate you coming on this was this was fun and uh, shut down full cast i have started listening to that as well and it makes me laugh and listen things making me laugh is that's good enough so check it out if you just want to laugh thank you and thanks again you out there for listening we'll be back next week with an all-new episode we're going to wrap up season one of strange new worlds check us out on social media trek mary k pod twitter and instagram we're recording this in march and or excuse me in february and i don't know if you saw this today ryan but twitter had a massive outage so i'm promoting something this is coming out in April. I don't even know if it's going to exist. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to find out. But trekmarykillpod.com, that will be around for, for the foreseeable future. So go there if you want to know what all the standing, standings are, how many kills, tracks, marries, etc. And until next week, TMK out.